0: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey, girl. Hey. (laughs) So, we have a pretty heavy topic for you guys today, and so right off the top, we need to give a trigger warning. Yep. The word rape is going to be said approximately 5 million times uh, in this episode. We'll also be discussing things that could be considered pretty traumatic if you are a survivor of sexual assault or rape. If this is something that is really distressing to you, maybe skip this episode. Yeah. Or just proceed with caution and, you know, handle with care
1: exactly if you feel it's getting too much turn it off we're not gonna be mad about it it's all good but i do think it's a really important thing to talk about because i think that um much like our toxic masculinity episode when people use the term rape culture i feel like a lot of people don't really understand what that means or what goes into rape culture or what that entails so i think it's important to discuss it and kind of have our own dialogue about Uh, Different things that we've learned through our research and different things we've experienced in our lives surrounding rape culture. And those two things, I actually think, really go hand in hand. Toxic masculinity and rape culture. Oh,
0: there's going to be a lot of overlap. If you listened to our toxic masculinity episode, there's going to be quite a bit of overlap between that and this one. So... I'm going to go into a little bit about what rape culture is. Now, yeah. th- this definition I got, which I thought was really kind of cool, off of a Marshall.edu website. Mm-hmm. So it was Marshall College, which yeah. I, although it was in their, like, women's center section of their website, which I was kind of like, ah. <laughs> um, But I really liked that they were talking about this on a college website because toxic culture, toxic masculinity, rape culture, that kind of thing, it does really thrive uh, on college campuses. Yeah.
1: Well, and what I found interesting is that when you Google rape culture, for me at least, that was the first article that came up.
0: Yes, yes. I found that interesting. So... On their website, it says, what is rape culture? And it says, rape culture is an environment in which rape is prevalent and in which sexual violence against women is normalized and excused in the media and popular culture. Rape culture is perpetuated through the use of misogynistic language, the objectification of women's bodies, and the glamorization of sexual violence, thereby creating a society that disregards women's rights and safety. Rape culture affects every woman. The rape of one woman is a degradation, terror, and limitation to all women. Most women and girls limit their behavior because of the existence of rape. Most women and girls live in fear of of rape. Men, in general, do not. That's how rape functions as a powerful means by which the whole female population is held in a subordinate position to the whole male population. Even though many men don't rape, and many women are never victims of rape, this cycle of fear is the legacy of rape culture. I think that that sums it up so well. So well. So well. Like, because... You know, they'll say, well, I'm not a rapist, or, like, I know lots of women who weren't raped, like, or any of that stuff. We still live with that fear every day. Every time someone is assaulted... It's the potential of it. It's the fear that you could be assaulted, like, that could be you. And that every single woman knows another woman who has been raped or assaulted.
1: Yeah, it's the fear of walking to your car at night. Right. It's the fear of being in a parking structure by yourself. It's these fears that I feel like a lot of men, unless they've had a past experience of abuse, don't understand the fear that we feel, even though we may not have any past experience ourselves with sexual abuse, there's that potential of things that can happen. So when you're in those kinds
0: of situations... right? you're scared. Right. Or, you know, it, it. I see it in my life as well as someone who has been sexually assaulted but not out and out raped by the definition of rape. I feel it anytime I'm in a room alone, like yes. with an older man. Like, sometimes I'll go to a casting or whatever and yeah. I'm, I'm immediately nervous. And, you know, I know men in my life who would think that that was insulting, that, like, I automatically thought that they were a rapist, but it's just like you have to be on guard all the time in a yeah. way that I feel like most men don't deal with. Now, we're not trying to say that men are not victims of rape culture, that they don't get raped. No,
1: it harms men as well.
0: Yes, it absolutely does. So I have some examples from that same website of rape culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go through a couple of these. You will think that They are pretty familiar. And that's so important because we have to identify rape culture in our everyday lives because most people don't recognize it because it's so normalized. Yeah. So here are some examples. Blaming the victim. She asked for it. Trivializing sexual assaults. Boys will be boys. Sexually explicit jokes. Tolerance of sexual harassment. Inflating false report statistics. Ugh. The The worst. worst. (laughs) <laughs> Publicly scrutinizing a victim's dress, mental state, motives, and history. Gratuitous gendered violence in movies and television. Redefining manhood as dominant and sexually aggressive. Defining womanhood as submissive and sexually passive. Pressure on men to, quote, score. Pressure on women to not appear cold. I hate that, too. Like, mm-hmm. that whole, like, don't be a prude, don't be frigid. Yeah. You know, just go with it so that you can be cool or whatever. Yeah. Assuming only promiscuous women get raped. Assuming that men don't get raped or only weak men get, get raped. Refusing to take rape accusations seriously. Teaching women to avoid getting raped instead of teaching men not to rape. <sighs>
1: Main yes. one.
0: The main fucking and I mean one. I think we can recognize all of those in all our society. Of them. And you should be able to recognize, especially if you listen to our toxic masculinity episode, how that is really just like one horrifying stew. You know, like, it's a disaster waiting to happen. It is. It is.
1: So, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the term rape culture and how a lot of this, these ideas that we were discussing have come to be. So, the term rape culture was coined by second-wave feminists, primarily in the United States, where they began to engage in consciousness-raising efforts designed to educate the public about the prevalence of rape. Because at this time, before second wave, you know, because of rape culture women were not openly discussing their experiences. If they were, they were being shut down. They weren't being taken seriously. So a lot of people believed that sexual assault and rape were not very common, or it only happened to a particular type of person, like you said, or a particular type of woman. The concept of rape culture was common and normal in American culture, and that's the result of societal misogyny and sexism.
0: So to understand kind of, like, where we got to talking about rape culture, it's important to understand the history of rape itself and rape laws. So, I'm going to go into a little bit of the history of rape laws so that we can kind of understand the culture that has developed around rape in general. Perfect. Um, So... Rape culture has always existed, of course, um, and it really does stem back to this idea that women are property. Yeah. And whenever you believe that women are property, you you objectify them. You treat them as objects instead yeah. of as people. So the first known written rape law was contained in the ancient Babylonian code of Hammurabi, circa 2250 B.C. Damn. Women had social status only in relation to men. Thus, a woman might be a virgin living with her father or a married woman living with her husband. In this code, rape of a virgin was punishable by death and the virgin was held blameless. Rape of a married woman was considered adultery and the woman was held equally responsible. Deaths of the rapist and victim were by drowning. The victim's husband had the option of rescuing his wife by pulling her out of the river, but the king could excuse the rapist. The ancient Assyrians followed the principle of an eye for an eye, so thus the father of a raped virgin could rape the rapist's wife. Oh. Which is horrifying. You're I... not punishing the rapist, you're punishing his wife. Yeah. And because and because the rapist she's owned by...
1: The rapist. The man. Yeah. She's
0: an object. Ugh. So it is there by... And
1: then the father is there by owning...
0: Mm-hmm. the virginist daughter. is yes. yeah. icky. It's thereby shaming the, the rapist. Oh, that's icky. Um, the Hebrews punished rape by stoning. Again, if a virgin was raped within city walls where she could have cried for help, she was stoned along Please. with her rapist. If she was outside of the city, she had to marry her rapist. Yep. And he was forced to pay a bride price to her father. So, and this is a theme that you'll see recur over and over with the history of rape laws is... And it's something that you see today. Like that's why it's important to know this because it's the same thing. We just deem it to be a more civilized version of it. Exactly. Where if she was raped within the city walls, she why didn't anybody hear her? She should have been screaming. We should know. We should have known. So therefore, she couldn't have been raped. Because nobody heard her screaming. Right. Raping so,
1: equals screaming and panic. and Yeah. Right. So
0: she's just a slut and yeah. it's okay for us to stone her. And then, of course, the other, on the other end of that, it's like, or you have to marry your rapist. Yeah. And so you can imagine, why would you ever come forward and tell anyone No, that you were raped? Never. Because if those are the options exactly,
1: there. Marriage or stoning, which would you choose? And,
0: the, and that's only if it was virgins or rather single women. Yeah. If a married woman was raped, she was stoned with her rapist for adultery, and the husband was not permitted to rescue her or save her in any way. There was a law in England under King Henry II that allowed rapists to be tried for their crimes, but only if the woman was able to show corroborating evidence in the form of a hue and cry, meaning that she essentially had to run through the streets right after it happened. It had to happen right away, and then she had to run through the streets screaming um, with her clothes torn, to show that this is something that actually happened, God damn, there had to be corroborating evidence. So they, that's
1: some weird. Uh, that's a weird definition of evidence, but okay, right? I mean, <laughs> but it's
0: just because I mean that's all they had since at the, time, the beginning but. of time. You had men making these laws of how they thought a woman should, react. female victims should react yeah. to this to this um, situation. So there were other English laws that stated that women cannot get pregnant. If they were raped, which sounds pretty familiar. Oh. Uh, Representative Todd Akin of Missouri famously said in 2012 that abortion in cases of rape was unnecessary because, quote, if it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to shut the whole thing down.
1: <laughs> I wish. Yeah. That'd be great if I had that sort of, like, mind over matter power.
0: Unless you are talking about the movie Teeth. T- and just like literally chop, just chomp chop it off. That dick right off. Yeah, I mean, and, um, what a cinematic masterpiece! I think, I think, don't quote me on this, but I read the statistics earlier today, and I think the statistics say that like one in five rapes results in a pregnancy
1: because it's you it's still, biological. Yeah, like it's right. not. There's nothing you can possibly do to control it, or else women wouldn't have to be on birth control. And it's that And in- you could just turn that switch off in your head, like I'm not going to get pregnant this time. It's fine. Like I'm going to control myself. And
0: it's that insane logic. Like it's it's ancient logic. Like, it's crazy that they had a law, you know, in England just, like, hundreds of years ago that stated essentially the same thing that someone said in 2012.
1: Yeah, that's, um, pretty, pretty sad. Yeah. That's very, very sad. As
0: we move into the 18th century, particularly here in the U.S., that's when, really, conversations surrounding, um, Rape being tied up in class started mm-hmm. happening. Wealthy white men and I—we talked about this in maybe our catcalling episode. I think that's what it was. Where wealthy white men who were sexually assaulting people, um, who were maybe of like a nobler class, were considered to be like libertines or rakes. They had yeah. a word for them in the catcalling episode, yeah. Rather than who they like, uh, you know, violent a predators or yeah. rapists. Well, because before, before the
1: second wave feminists, it wasn't seen as a crime of violence, it was just seen as a crime of passion, a a crime of passion or as sex. It wasn't even seen as rape all the time. It wasn't a crime of real violence
0: by a man to a woman. Um, you know, so this was kind of like, to me, it's like, this is like the frat boy style rapist, yeah, it was like right? Yeah, it was like a pent up sexual
1: desire and pleasure that well, and you took should control be, over them. Yeah, you know? it was
0: passion and also like you should be flattered because this is like um a, a wealthy, like, white guy would yeah. want to do that to you yeah. like, anyway, you know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, he's just like a Casanova type. Blech. Um, Whereas if it was like a poor person, even a white one, the punishments were more severe. And if it was a man of color who committed the rape, the the punishment was the most severe at all uh, of all, and that was because rape was looked at in terms of it happening to rich white ladies. Yeah. Like, you know, and again we said that with our catcalling episode. Whenever people started being upset about this, it was because, oh, it could happen to our like virginal Daughters, white women, yeah. like our 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 class, you know, yeah. Whereas if Where it, was it was seen as
1: like a barbaric kind of like lower class problem. And then when it started happening to the upper class,
0: people started caring about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, but only they only cared about it in terms of if it was someone of the lower class exactly. doing it to someone of the upper class. Which
1: I think is definitely still a stigma that is around today.
0: Right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That
1: the rapists usually are going to be lower class, men of color, different things right. like that. Right. And if
0: they're not... Then society bends over backwards to make excuses for them. Yeah,
1: we will talk more about that. Which we them.
0: we absolutely will talk about. But, you know, we saw that with Brock Turner. It's yep, like, if, my- if they're <laughs> promising young men. Yes, he was a swimmer. Yeah, Stanford. He Stanford. went to Stanford. <sighs> oh, uh, you know, look at those big blue eyes. He couldn't possibly Ugh, have done so anything. so um, so, in these examples, we just we see a couple of things. We see that the punishment for rape is directly linked to a woman's worth in relation to her status as property. Uh, if she's a betrothed virgin, virgin, she's worth something to her father, right? Yeah. Like, you know, because he can get a bride price, right? And if she's damaged, then he won't be able to get that from her.
1: Exactly. If a
0: married woman, her value is now depreciated since she's spoiled goods... And also we see the virginity construct at work because, you know, if the woman is a a virgin, she's more likely to be be believed and there's less punishment on her than if not. Which is
1: crazy that somebody who's a virgin would be believed more because it's going to be the same experience either way. If you've had sex before or not, it's it's the idea of that rape is sex. so yeah, And you they know? assume
0: if you, yes, that is what that is, because they assume that if you've had sex before, that this wasn't a, an attack or a sexual violation of you. This was something that maybe you wanted. Or like, you're
1: already damaged, so what's the point?
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, and well, the fact that they considered rape in terms of married women to be adultery yeah, really goes to show that, like, they assume that you, it was a consensual act that you wanted exactly. to engage in. And I give, I just give these examples because I think it's important, like, as we go on to discuss rape culture, that it's not a modern invention. I feel like so often with these discussions, we, especially lately, talking about rape culture, you know, because the the term was coined in the second wave, I feel like we consider it to be a very modern invention, and we consider it to be tied directly to alcohol or social media or, you know, sports culture or these other things when actually it, it's part of a larger societal problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So the the term rape culture was actually first published in 1974 in a book called Rape, the first source book for women, edited by Noreen Connell and Cassandra Wilson for the New York Radical Feminists. In the book, the group stated that, quote, our ultimate goal is to eliminate rape, And that goal cannot be achieved without a revolutionary transformation of our society. That book, along with Susan Brown Miller's 1975 Against Our Will, Men, Women, and Rape, was among the earliest to include first-person accounts of rape to show how rape was a common occurrence that can happen to anyone. It also helped change the stigma surrounding victims blaming themselves because victims would feel as though admitting to being raped was a crime against their integrity. And that goes into a lot of what we were saying about, well, first of all, why would a woman come forward and say that she was raped during a time where she could either be stoned or have to marry her rapist? But then as... You know, those kinds of punishments died off. You know, now in this day and age, there's usually never even a trial to even go to. Right. So if a woman comes or a girl comes forward and says that they were raped, that's going to immediately put the microscope on her and they're going to question her integrity. What did you do? What were you wearing? What was your behavior? You know,
0: I've had these conversations, I'm sad to say, with my mom and like with other people in my family um, because i've had I've had very passionate conversations where I've argued that there is nothing a woman could do to warrant being raped or being sexually assaulted. Right. And I've had people kind of come back at me with, like, yes, but there are ways that women can protect themselves from this happening.
1: I've had advancements made on me when I was wearing sweats and a t-shirt. Well, I mean, that's been completely
0: debunked. Like, the the fact that, like, a, a a, a woman can stop something from happening based on how they're dressed is something that's been completely debunked. But I understand that this is a honor issue. Like, as someone who grew up trying to refrain from having sex before marriage and, like, all of these other things that it would have felt to me... If I had been raped, which I had been in a situation where I think that's where it was headed, if someone hadn't come in, and whenever I was 16, and even though it didn't happen, I was definitely assaulted, but I wasn't raped, like, so even though it didn't happen, there were still feelings of, I shouldn't have put myself in this situation. Yeah. This reflects badly on me and my honor as a person. Because you led this because person. I shouldn't be at this party anyway. Right. Like seriously, yeah. You know, so I understand it because we exist in a culture that tells women that they need to be, um, they need to be virtuous and they need to behave in a certain way. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then you are guilty, and you feel guilty, and you feel responsible. And
1: you're also in pain and hurting for what you just went through from the abuse. And you don't want to talk
0: to anyone about it, because you feel responsible.
1: Right, exactly. And I mean, for me, I was the person who abused me I was with for years. And he was somebody that I loved and somebody that I was in a relationship with or thought I loved at the time. And I couldn't Tell anybody what happened because then, like, I know you would have been like, "What the fuck!" Like, you would have been like, "You're putting a stop to this now." Mm-hmm. And I was protecting him. And you weren't ready. And, I wasn't and... ready, but I was trying to protect him. And then also by me not acknowledging what I was going through on a daily basis, it was also protecting me because I didn't want to look at it.
0: Right. And so that that brings us to my next little bit here in my notes. So, thirty-eight percent of rapes are committed by someone the victim knows. 34% is are committed by an intimate partner. 6% are committed by family members. And only 22% are committed by strangers. And this yeah. is based on data from 1995 to 2010. Between uh, 2005 and 2010, only 11% of rapes and sexual assaults involved a weapon. So whenever I was growing up, and I think that this is the way that rapes were definitely framed or ways, you know, to protect women. Yeah. Like, whenever they were telling me how to protect yourself or whatever... Rapes were definitely framed as like this scary stranger with a knife in the bushes, right? Yes. And you are just being a virtuous good girl who is just living your life. You're walking home from church, yes. and this man jumps out of the bushes and rapes you. Exactly. When really the number of rapes that that occur that way are very very rare.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the idea of um, what a what a judge and what a jury and what society sees as being a real rape. So right. when there are cases that go to trial and there is ample evidence like physical ample evidence. there are witnesses there are bruises or cuts and bleeding there was an automatic um, response to contacting the authorities that but if it was them, your husband, Yeah. You know what I mean? Or if it was, if you reported it a little bit late, or if there were circumstances, like you said, where you'd been drinking, or if you are in the military. You know, there are all of these different... Um, ways that can discredit your account. So unless it's seen as a quote-unquote real rape in the way that you just described, it's really, really hard for a jury to give out a guilty verdict because
0: they have reasonable doubt. And we have been conditioned. This is part of rape culture. We have been conditioned, myself included. Like, whenever I was younger, I absolutely would think immediately, because of the way that I was conditioned, to think well, what was she doing there? Or, like, what did she do? Yeah. Like, automatically. Like, that is how we are conditioned. What was she wearing? Was she flirting with him? Yeah. You know, did did it just go too far? Well, in that movie that I was talking to you about, the Roll Red Roll movie, Mm -hmm.
1: holy shit, you guys watch it. It is horrifying. There are girls that were, like, at the party or girls she went to school with or knew her or something like that. And they kind of said, they were like, well... She went with those guys, and, like, we all told her not to. Like, those guys are obviously bad guys.
0: Like, it was her choice to go with them. And so then, all of a sudden, they deserve what they get. Yeah. You know? And that is part of rape culture. Like, instead of saying... Instead of instilling in our young men that, like... This is completely unacceptable behavior, which I know people will come back and argue that, like, of course they know it's unacceptable behavior, but we have this culture of, like, well, there's this masculinity. We talked about it in the toxic masculinity episode where it's, like, men are conditioned to want to have sex with women, you know, and they are conditioned to think that violence against women is sexy and that it's part of sex. And I think it's important to not only discuss the definition of consent with
1: your sons and with the young men in your lives, but it's also really important, I think, to give the definition of what rape is and to actually have a real conversation with these boys about what rape looks like in all of its different ways, what to look out for, how to react in a situation where you see something like that happening because I think especially in young kids, they don't want to rat out their friends or they don't want right. to be um, put down for
0: standing up for the Absolutely. girl. and. Mm-hmm. And there is this bystander effect that happens. So even if you're not actively involved, which also there have been plenty of psychological studies that have come out and said that you are more likely to be involved in a crime if you are in a group of people. Because there's this weird mentality that there's safety in numbers and if other people are doing it, that it makes it okay for you to do it. Right. Especially
1: as a kid, I feel like because you don't want to be the one... Um, you're the only one not doing something or not a part of the group or even if you don't agree with what's going on, like, you'll just... It's kind of like a pack mentality where you right. just kind of go along yeah. with it because if you... you bystander affect it, you know? Because also that makes you vulnerable. Like, mm-hmm. that makes you incredibly vulnerable to... If these people are violent, that leaves you open for violence as well and ridicule, exile, all these things that kids... They need connection with their peers. They need friends. There's all these things that, like, they need in their lives where maybe it's not worth the risk for them to come forward and say something.
0: Right. Absolutely. You know? But we definitely need to change the way that we talk about rape prevention because yeah. it doesn't usually look the way that we have been conditioned to think it looks. Yeah. Right? It's more likely to happen by somebody who is very close to you or bare minimum someone that you know. Yeah. You know, and this isn't to say that, like, we're not trying to say, like, be scared of everyone you know. But, like, it it is to say that... When someone comes forward and says that maybe someone who you even think is a nice guy raped or sexually assaulted them, yeah, believe them. Because the stakes are so high in coming forward in the first place. They
1: really are. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, that you share your stories of your own personal assault, because I have a lot of male friends who have said that it was through the discussions with their female friends about their experiences that opened their eyes and gave them a better understanding, which... I think it's great but they should have been getting that information beforehand but i also think that that's another reason why it's so important that these survivors if they are able to when they come forward and share their stories that that helps display an image of the different varieties of what rape
0: looks like. Sure, yeah. And we will talk about, um, in a little while, there was a viral hashtag that went around for a while of, like, women talking about what rape culture was to them and the things that they've experienced in that way. And, yeah, you know I have mixed feelings about it because... It does suck. It feels really bad that women are always having to do the emotional labor of having to basically rip themselves open and share the most traumatic things that happen and to I them. And I think that's
1: why you should only do it if it's something that you're comfortable with. Uh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I
0: see the benefit of doing it. I think sharing our experiences is very powerful, especially since so many men, for whatever reason, seem to be very blind to this, This right. they have this one particular blind spot. Um, so I do understand, like, that, that you, you know, we should be sharing our stories. Right. But also, it is frustrating. It's like, men, come on, man. Educate each other. Yeah. like I'm, Agreed. But I think that if you feel
1: that you're able to
0: yeah, share... It could be powerful. It,
1: it's powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's your responsibility as a woman or as a survivor to share your story. I think that it's everybody's own journey and what you choose to disclose is yours. But I think that if you are in a place of... Feeling comfortable talking about your experience or wanting to educate, I think
0: it's important that you do so if that's what you feel is best for you. And, and if you feel and again, safe doing. If so. If you see, because I know that I have been in groups, uh, especially when I was younger, mostly when I was like in high school or when I was a teenager, where I've been around groups of guys who have made comments that or made jokes that are really not okay, and I haven't said anything. And like now, as an adult, if I were to hear something like that or see something like that. I would say something to them because sometimes all it takes is like, "Hey, that's not cool. Like that's unacceptable." That's a very good phrase to use. Yeah, like that's it's really not cool for you to say things like that. So if you're seeing people in your friend circle kind of doing that or passing things off as jokes, and I get it that again, women don't want to come across as like cold or frigid or bitchy or like whatever. But that needs to change too. That needs to change. And also, I know we have some male listeners. Call out your bros. Seriously, yeah. like call them out because they're going to take it from you better than they're going to take it from other They're going to believe women. you
1: more than they're going to believe a woman. Absolutely.
0: So I want to touch on something very quickly that I actually just made a Facebook, a big long Facebook post about this today, which I have veered away from making big long Facebook posts. But this one, when I was doing my research for this episode, because it's almost Halloween, especially this one, I felt the need to talk about and uh-huh. um, I want to talk about it now. So let's do it. Native American women are twice as likely to be (sighs) raped as all other races of women in this country, in the United States. According to the Justice Department, one in three Native women will be raped, with 41% of those being stranger rapes. In, you know, stranger rapes, 41%, whereas 22% of the larger population is stranger rapes. Exactly. So that's, it's insane. Also, you know, it should be said that the Native American population in this country, they are they're a minority. They are like, way
1: minority. Yes. Well, there's such a crazy history of rape in Native American women. Yes, like, since, black, black since, women as well. well. Yeah, but, like, I mean, I'm thinking back to, like, Fucking Columbus, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I mean, well, and and that's not even talking about
0: like using, which we'll get into a little bit when we talk a little bit about the military. But that's not even getting into how rape has been used as a a torture tool, essentially, yeah, um, or to assert dominance over minority populations. Yeah, Uh, in South Dakota, where Native Americans account for ten percent of the population, they make up forty percent of rape victims. 10% 10% of the population makes up almost half it's like everybody of rape victims. You know, I was listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You has an old, like, old episode. They have two episodes talking about, like, rape culture and, like, history of rape. And um, they're very good if you want to, like, go back through the archives and find them. And they were talking about how there was a New York Times article where they interviewed healthcare providers for Native women. Uh-huh. And one provider said, I am so sick of women coming in and asking me for plan B for when their daughter gets raped. Native American women. Because it's just considered an eventuality for them. And so I wanted to bring this up, especially with Halloween coming up, because this is why, this is part of why... We need to stop hyper-sexualizing and fetishizing Native American women. I agree. Like, you have to stop this because they are being disproportionately affected by sexual violence, and you wearing your, like, Pocahontas Halloween costume is really, really upsetting when you look at these sexual assault statistics. Like, yeah. You know, because I feel like in America, we have absolutely sexualized Native women. Yeah. And we saw the same thing when I was talking about, in the Cat Call episode, I think, when I was talking about... The hypersexualization of Black women and yeah. why sexual assaults are not taken seriously towards Black women either, because you're seen as inherently sexual beings. Yeah, you know. So, just wanted to throw that out there. No, I think it's
1: super important. I actually, when I was 18, I went as Tiger Lily
0: for Halloween, and I cringe thinking about that now. When I was, when when I was a little little girl, I had a a Native American Halloween costume. And yeah. And, you know, know, know better, do better, right? Like, we yeah. know better now. Yeah. But it's 2019, and everyone knows better. So yes. if you are still wearing a warrior hottie Halloween costume, like, you should know at this point. Google yeah. exists. Social media exists. People get roasted literally every year. Yeah. So you know better now. I, I know that when we were younger, it was not something that was brought up or talked about Yeah, at I think all. my
1: third birthday was a Pocahontas birthday party because I was obsessed with that movie, and I played dress-up comedy constantly, so I would wear that, but, like, I feel like that... I'm a character,
0: so it's a little different. I
1: also wasn't wearing some sexy, little, skimpy, Native American costume. (laughs)
0: Right. But I just think, yeah, it's important to point out that while rape culture affects every woman, like, every single woman, there are certain cultures and um, segments of our population that are disproportionately negatively affected. Yeah, I
1: would say that... um, Asian women are really negatively affected they're as well. They're fetishized. Yeah, they're yes. heavily, heavily fetishized.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, minorities in general. I mean, yeah. if we're talking about, like, <laughs> rapes, you know, minorities, trans women, all of these people are, are affected more. Yeah, in and I,
1: I feel like, especially when you're talking about... Well, I'm sure this happens with all minorities, but when I think of rape of a transgender person... That to me is the clearest example of dominance and power over that person and belittling them for being different.
0: Well, that's what most rape is, right? It's not this crime of passion, which I feel like is all of these laws and all of these things that were put into place is running off the presumption that it's this, like, it's sex or it's this crime of passion. Um, So to go off of that, talking about rapes in the military, the military is actually probably the only place, or the only place that I found, yeah. where men get raped at a higher rate than women.
1: Yeah. So, according to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, the Department of Defense estimated 26,000 service members were raped or sexually assaulted in 2012 alone, and slightly more than half were men.
0: Yes. 51% is what I have yeah. um, of rapes in the military are man-on-man. Man. Yeah. And it it's described as more of um, torture or punishment yeah. and less of kind of like a, a sexual act, you know yes. what I mean? And the issue with rape within the military is that
1: they have their own kind of like justice system yes. so only 2,558 people out of the 26,000 that I mentioned in 2012 pursued justice by filing an unrestricted report and only 302 of those cases proceeded to trial and the reason for that being is that it's your superior who is in charge of whether or not your cases go to proceed to trial and a lot of times you could be raped by your superior yeah in fact it's very or, common or they are protecting the other people in their group yes their other soldiers by belittling the person and usually they are quite cruel to the person who comes forward and
0: says well anything. and yeah there's this nature of like you don't like you are brothers in arms right yeah and so like you don't break down that brotherhood yeah so you should just take it and not complain about it um and yeah as you said like like very often when I was doing reading on that, which I think that deserves its own episode, um, but whenever I was doing reading on rapes in the military or sexual assault in the military, very often it was a superior officer, even if it wasn't your direct superior. If it's any ranking officer, I was in ROTC, I'm also from a military family, if it's any ranking officer, you are not going to want to come forward because there is no. a direct chain of command and you are not supposed to question the authority—that's not the way, right? It's—it's it's absolutely not the way that it is supposed to work. And I know that there was um, somebody came forward from the military a few years ago. Whenever this was really in the headlines yeah uh, about like rapes in in the military and he was basically saying like well what do you expect like this thing is going to happen mm-hmm. basically a boys will be boys like you put a bunch of testosterone up men together and you throw a woman into the mix like we're bound to break a few eggs essentially like yeah. that's kind of the mentality yeah but you know, the number one cause of PTSD for female soldiers in the military is military sexual trauma, uh-huh. whereas the number one cause of PTSD in male soldiers is actual combat. Yeah. So women are, their PTSD is stemming more from the interactions they're having with men. Oh, yeah. In their own units.
1: Y- yeah. It's, yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. I've heard firsthand stories from people, and it's, it's, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, That made me think a lot about the culture surrounding prison rape. Yes. I didn't do a lot of notes about this, but I was thinking about it. And bringing that up really reminded me of it as well, because a person who... I feel like a a prisoner who rapes another prisoner, where are they supposed to go? What are they supposed to do? I wish I had done more research on it, but us just talking about it just now was making me think
0: about that. And on top of that, even if you did... It, it's really upset me, and ever since I actually sat and thought about it for any amount of time, anytime I see it um, on Facebook or any social media, which you will see all the time, if someone really awful is, you know, it happened with Larry Nasser a lot, for instance, like if someone really awful who has committed a lot oh, of crimes yeah. gets convicted and sent to prison, you will see in the comments of any article, oh, I hope he gets raped in prison, I hope he gets whatever is coming to him in prison. Yeah. And... While I agree I that these the people are terrible and you have a right to feel angry about it, yeah. I do try to call that out when I see it because yeah. I think I think that's part of rape culture is like is like you are able to recognize clearly that rape is a punishment, yes. right? Like and you want it to be used as a punishment on another person. Yeah. And like I think that that is gross yes. and like we as a society need to refrain from doing that. Yeah. Like, it I understand it's,
1: that these people did terrible
0: things. Right, they it's, deserve it's, to be punished. But it's
1: perpetuating the idea of um, also an eye for an eye. It's perpetuating the idea of, that, yeah, of yeah, like be, uh, trying to belittle somebody. Like there's something about rape and sexual assault that is such. It hits on such a personal level because of the way that it has been described to us as being a sexual encounter, where it is such an emotionally
0: destroying breaking soul crushing experience Well you're you're robbed of your autonomy. Exactly. Right? Like you and it's your body. Your and this body man... is being violated, which is the most sacred. Yes. You know. And
1: if you're in prison, you're being punished. Like let let the punishment be the punishment that they were given. It's yeah. not the responsibility of the other prisoners or other people in prison to self
0: police. To self
1: police it. I get that prison fights happen, all this kind of stuff. And honestly, the fights Yeah, that would scare the shit out of me. But the fact that there is such a heavy rape culture in prisons I think is so fucked up. And the fact that, like, these prisoners have nowhere to go. And if we watched any origins of New Black, (laughs) you know, and done any sort of research, you know that there's the superiors in the prison system who take advantage of the prisoners as well. Oh, absolutely. Because there's nobody there to protect them. They are not protected. They are seen as being criminals and that is all.
0: Right, which we have to move, this is a whole different conversation, but, like, we absolutely need to move away from dehumanizing criminals. Yeah. Like, I think that it's a slippery slope. Anytime you start dehumanizing anybody anyone like human beings like you cannot start doing that uh let's talk a little bit about how underreported rapes are let's do it so on average 60 percent of assaults are not reported to police of the 40 in 100 that do only 10 lead to an arrest and of that 10 only four will lead to a felony conviction yeah so i mean just think about that number. So already, you have over half of assaults not being reported. Yeah. Right? And then, of that, you only have 10 out of that number that even leads to an arrest at all. Yeah. And then only four of those that lead to a conviction. That is... Why would you... And so when people say, like, well, why didn't you report it? Like, why would you want why to? Why would you want to? And well, in and fact, even
1: when they are convicted and they are sentenced, their sentences are shitty, Brock Turner. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: I mean, and, like, (laughs) I, this is probably the saddest thing. Whenever I was looking into um, Native American sexual assaults. Yeah. Where it's so prevalent and it happens so much and it so often doesn't lead to anything actually happening. That police in a lot of these um, areas where there are a lot of Native American women and a lot of rapes actually tell them not to report it because the trauma of reporting and then nothing happening is actually worse than just trying to recover. And so when women don't report and you give them shit for not reporting it... It's because they're probably afraid of having to relive this experience exactly, and then have nothing come of it. If it's going
1: to go to trial, I mean, the questions that are asked of you are absolutely ridiculous. And I I would say in just about every single rape case, you're getting a defense attorney who is asking what you were wearing, your level of intoxication, where you were, who you were with, the different ways that rape culture has changed shown us that are unsafe for women to be doing certain things, they want to point those out so that it can discredit
0: your story and your description of what happened. Right, and so it's with statistics like this that it becomes very difficult whenever, anytime you and I post anything on like our Instagram about rapes, our rape statistics, you yeah. get the whataboutism coming out of, like, what about women who falsely accuse men of rape? That comes out every fucking time. And it's very upsetting because it's less than 2% yeah. of rapes are false reports. And most women who are assaulted don't even report. Yeah. So it's not like you're getting a bunch of positive attention yeah. from reporting a false rape claim. No. Right? So it, it really does not happen very often. Yeah, and
1: the people who I feel... I mean, I, I see it in similar lines of people who falsely confess to, like, murders and other crimes, where usually it's not a positive attention that they'd be looking for. It's like, obviously, that person who is falsely accusing someone of rape has something else going on. Well, and... There's some other attention they're
0: needing. They usually say, well, oh, they wanted to ruin this guy's reputation, and it's like, I understand what you're saying, but more likely, because of rape culture, her reputation is going to be ruined. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, it's not as if... I mean, the guys, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but the guys in the Steubenville case, yeah, they're in college now. Yeah, and one of them is being accused of sexually harassing, sexual harassment again. Yes, and so I'm just like, it's not like their lives were ruined. No. So, it, it, you know, this it's just girl, insane.
1: Can we talk about that for like a minute, that yes, case? Go ahead. Because this girl, she's 16 years old, I believe, 15 or 16 at the time. She's a Jane Doe. She wakes up at a party, unconscious. She wakes up naked in a bed, with the two defendants in the room, I, I with read her. that she
0: was on the floor. Like oh, it was in I read a that
1: she was on the bed in okay. a basement
0: on the floor. Yeah. yeah,
1: they like took her to like multiple different parties. She was clearly unconscious.
0: I think was, they drugged her, because I don't understand how she was that incapacitated. Was
1: out, and they, like, there were guys recording and laughing. They're, they're calling her a dead body. They're saying, like, oh, she's so raped. Like, it was, it's the worst... It's, it's honestly so triggering, It's truly. the worst dialogue I've ever heard in my entire... The laughing, the sound of the laughter is and if absolutely this, if, unnerving.
0: Can you, like... <laughs> What would you think if that was your fucking son? Like, yeah. and you watched that happen? Like, I don't think I could live with myself. No. If I raised somebody who did that because it's truly like, okay, so yeah, this case was huge when it happened a few years ago. It yeah. was massive. It really kickstarted um, a lot of the Me Too stuff. It kickstarted, you know, a lot of discussions around rape culture because and child of pornography as well. Yes, like, be, because of revenge. the way that the rapists were treated. They. Basically, even CNN, a lot of like news outlets, in fact, here we'll jump ahead and I'll talk about that for real quick. Um, there was a correspondent for CNN, Poppy Harlow, who stated during the trial after the two rapists were convicted, they were juveniles, so they got like two years in a juvenile facility. Yeah,
1: one Trent Mays got two years, and um, Malik Richmond
0: got one, and they didn't serve their full terms. Which is already insane. So, you know, we can talk about that. But CNN's Poppy Harlow stated that it was, quote, incredibly difficult even for an outsider like me to watch what happened to these two young men that Uh had such promising futures, star football players, very good students, literally watched as they believed their lives fell apart. When the sentence came down, Malik collapsed in the arms of his attorney. He was sobbing. He said to him, my life is over. No one's going to want me now. This girl that they raped, she was completely incapacitated. She was... They stripped her of her clothes. They carried her from party to party. They took pictures of her. They peed on her. They, they took they, videos. They jerked off, like, on her. Yeah. They took videos. They digitally penetrated her.
1: Didn't they penetrate her with other things as well? I like um, think was
0: something. They attempted, probably, and they... One of them, the Trent, also tried to, tried to orally penetrate her, um, and said that he wishes he had raped her since everyone thinks that he did anyway, like, all of these things, and this is the kind, I'm sorry that this is so graphic, like, I, I really am sorry, but, like, this CNN news anchor, this is the kind of sentiment that was happening at the time where we were supposed to feel, oh my god, I feel so bad for these poor rising stars. These young athletes. They yeah. all, even the men who didn't, or the boys who didn't actually penetrate her because of their comments and, like, the things that they were saying to each other. Their lives they, are ruined They now. lost their scholarships too, and isn't this so terrible?
1: Yeah, it's. and, and while the, the victim is going... Anonymously. She's a Jane Doe. Because she has the fear of her life being completely ruined and her autonomy, like you were saying, is gone. She was violated on such an extreme, horrible extent as a child. It is absolutely ridiculous and so unfair for them to be looking at these boys because you we see the pictures of them we don't see the jane doe we see the pictures of these boys and we think of them as being these sweet young kids who are football players in a small town and it's like no these people are fucking criminals and rapists. right and it would
0: take us too long to even talk about sports culture and mm-hmm. how it breeds this... oh yeah their coach was a piece of shit yeah i mean he asked him, he's like
1: did you have sex with her? No. Did you rape her? No. Well, then
0: I gotta believe them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, sports culture in general, l- rape culture thrives. In, in sports culture. But I think that will take too long to try and um, discuss. But yeah. Okay, so back to um, reporting. The Bureau of Justice Statistics from 2005 to 2010 say that police took a report 86% of the time of reported assault victimizations, with them going on to conduct a search for the offender or question witnesses, 48% of that 86%. And only twelve percent overall resulted in an arrest. Twelve yeah. percent of the eighty six. So <laughs> you're taking you're taking a hundred percent, right? Yeah. 86% of the time when cops come and they talk to someone who's alleging that they have been assaulted, only 86% of that 100% are they taking them seriously enough to go ahead and file a report. Right. And then of that 86% of the time, they only question witnesses or actually follow up on it after the report. 48% of the time. Of that 48% of the time, only 12% are they even arrested. That's not even a conviction. That's not a trial. Nope. That's even being arrested. Now, that's that's saying they could be arrested and released the same day. Exactly. These statistics are uh, horrifying. Like, they should scare you. These numbers should upset you. And, like, this is part of rape culture, that it can be this prevalent, because we all know someone who's been sexually assaulted or raped, and these are the percentages of people who are even arrested let alone convicted
1: yeah and i think i think it's continually important for us to discuss ways to hopefully prevent rape culture from going forward and i truly believe that it is the examples that we are showing the next generation that is the most important i think that dress codes give into rape culture i believe that you know the school that I went to, I went to a Catholic school. Our skirts could only be two inches above our knees. We had to be buttoned up all the way. There was, like, a very strict dress code. But then, you know, going into public school, there was still a dress code. You're, if you were going to wear a, a shirt, it had to be so many fingers mm-hmm. for a tank Your shirts had to be down to your fingertips. Yeah, you couldn't wear a crop top. There's all these things because the danger of distracting our boys in a place of education, because boys' education is so much more important than girls' education, And not having the understanding that, like, a woman's body is their own and the way that they choose to express themselves is their own. And it's not their responsibility to police what they wear or how they act in order to fend off other men. I mean, I remember, like, being in high school and hearing about girls who were very sexually active and seeing them as being... So objectified and being, you know, like if something were to happen to
0: them, if they were to be raped within the culture that we were in, it would have been right. seen
1: like, well, but she has sex all the time. Like, what's the big yeah, deal? Yeah, and
0: it, and obviously it was pro- she was probably leading him on. Like, yeah, truly. Yeah, yeah or that's...
1: somebody's just overly sexual in general. Like I've I've had that where I've made like I'll make some sort of sexual sexual joke in a group of people, and then I see the attention that I'll get from a man, and I'm like, that wasn't my intention. Like I'm not. I'm not saying that because I want your attention or for you to try to hit on me. Like, that's not what that is. Like, if a woman is in any way sexual or embracing her sexuality to a lot of men, that is an invitation to make their move or to do something potentially violent.
0: Yeah. So there was an article written, I think it was in Time, maybe, or there was some article written after the villain, and when all of this, like, rape culture things were coming forward, and um, there was an article written by a woman who was saying, basically, that rape culture didn't exist for a number mm-hmm. of reasons, and there was this rebuttal article that I read from Time, and um, this is just an excerpt from that. It says, If so many millions of women were getting carjacked or kidnapped, we'd call it a public crisis. That we accept it is normal, even inevitable, is all the evidence I need. Jacqueline Friedman, author of Yes Means Yes, Visions of Female Sexual Power and A World Without Rape, told me. In response to the piece that said that rape culture didn't exist, she said, If we already despise rapists... Why are they so rarely held accountable in any way? An analysis by Rain found that 97% of rapists never spend a single day in jail for their crimes. What we really despise is the idea of rapists, a terrifying monster lurking in the bushes waiting to pounce on an innocent girl as she walks by. But actual rapists, men who are usually known to and often loved by their victims, men who are sometimes our sports heroes, political leaders, buddies, boyfriends, and fathers, evidence suggests we don't despise them nearly as much as we should yeah and i think that that's important like these are not boogeymen these are normal men these are people you know i guarantee you you know a rapist myself included i guarantee you know i definitely do yeah yeah, there were I, I read so many good articles on this yeah. that I have like so many notes, but we're running long. So Yeah,
1: can I read one more thing before we end up? Yeah, of course. There's some examples from everydayfeminism.com, which is I'm totally going to be getting more information from them. In I the I saw that as well. Yeah. So these are some, you know, Keegan, you started out the episode talking about some examples and giving some phrases along with it. And these are just a few extras. There was like 22 something examples. I picked the ones that I liked the best. Pop songs with lyrics like I know you want it. Oh, I remember when that song came out. I was hanging out with you a lot. It was very catchy. It was. It was a problem. But it's like, I know you want. Like it's that's a rapey fucking. song. It's an incredibly
0: rapey song. We know now.
1: Yeah, a judge who sentenced a 50-year-old man who raped a 14-year-old girl for and went to jail for 30 days, saying the girl was older than her chronological age. Parents who shame daughters for posting sexy selfies and leading sons to sin. (laughs) Supporting athletes and actors who were charged with rape and calling victims career destroyers. Companies who create ads of bound women to promote their business. People who believe girls allow themselves to be raped. Journalists who substitute the word sex for rape as though they're the same thing. And that's what I mentioned in the Tom and Kanchalipo issue. Mm -hmm. Calling victims of rape liars or attention seekers. Rape jokes. Don't fucking make rape jokes. Women being told to take measures to prevent rape instead of telling men not to rape and explain consent and what rape is. Assuming false accusations are common when they happen 2-8% to of the time, which is the same amount as Grand Theft Auto. Uh Women feeling less safe than men walking at night. And 37% of rapists face jail time. So those are just some examples of real-world rape culture from EverydayFeminism.com. Yeah. And that I think are good examples to look to when you are looking for moments to speak up.
0: Yeah, and to continue with that... There was a hashtag that happened after that woman wrote the article about how rape culture didn't exist. Uh uh, A hashtag called rape culture is when. And a lot of survivors spoke out. And so I'm just going to read a handful of of their tweets that they posted. Rape culture is when women who come forward are questioned about what they are wearing. Rape culture is when survivors who come forward are asked, were you drinking? Rape culture is when people say she was asking for it. Rape culture is when we teach women how to not get raped instead of teaching men not to rape. Rape culture is when the mainstream media mourns the end of the convicted Steubenville race, rapist careers and does not mention the young girl who was victimized. Rape culture is when cyberbullies take pictures of sexual assaults and harass their victims online after the fact, which are the cases of Audrey Pott and Rada Parsons, which... Mm-hmm. Rita Parsons was one I was going to bring up because I think she's the one who, it went viral, it was like the Rita challenge, yeah. because of how she was found. She was found yeah. without her pants on in a position, like, yeah. contorted oh, on the floor, that. and she was a teenager, Yeah, I
1: remember and that.
0: there was a, it went viral where people tried to do the same pose and post it online, which yeah. is horrifying and yeah. incredibly victimizing. Imagine being her, my Yeah, God. Uh, terrible, and she was a teenager. Yeah. Rape culture is when, in 31 states, rapists can legally sue for child custody if the rape results in a pregnancy. Mm. Rape culture is when college campus advisors tasked with supporting the student body shame survivors who report their rapes. Rape culture is when colleges are more concerned with getting sued by assailants than in supporting survivors. And that's something that happens... All of the time. Yeah. So, this is again from that college article. Yeah. They ended their article with how men and women can combat rape culture. So, I think that's probably a good thing to end on. Avoid using language that objectifies or degrades women. Speak out if you hear someone else making an offensive joke or trivializing rape. If a friend says she was raped, take her seriously and be supportive. Think critically about the media's messages about women, men, relationships, and violence. Be respectful to others' physical space, even in casual situations. Always communicate with sexual partners and do not assume consent. Define your own manhood or womanhood and don't let stereotypes shape your actions. Get involved. Join a student or community group working to end violence against women. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah, it was an intense one. And I had notes that I didn't even get to. I was
1: going to say, there's so much that I didn't cover. There's so much that we didn't cover. Rape culture is something that is so... Pervasive. And I feel like so many so broad and there's so many topics within it that we could probably do an individual
0: episode for each specific topic. I mean, honestly, we should talk about sexual assault in the military. We should talk about sexual assault on college campuses. We should talk about debunking the modesty myth about how that's going to keep you safe from sexual assault because it won't. I mean, there's a ton of things we could talk about. So, if you know, I think that it would be great for us to kind of continue this discussion
1: now that we've had this broader topic sometime in the future. Going through some of these in our future episodes I think would be great. So for those of you listening, if there's something that you really would like us to cover a little bit more, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com Check us out on Instagram and direct message us there at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at YANF Podcast Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page Go ahead and leave us a review on our business page. We love it. We love it even more when you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't already go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's free for you helps us out just a little bit thanks for getting through this episode with us Um, a heavy one it was a heavy one and it was a bit of a doozy to research as well it gets you into kind of a dark headspace but with all that being said we encourage you to To rage on on. Bye. bye